Hey, good morning, everybody. Oh, boy. Let's just, uh, let's just have an interesting sermon today. How about that? So there was a uh, priest, a rabbi, and a covenant pastor, and they, uh, they were best friends, and they liked fish. So one morning they went out, and they decided they're going to go fishing. They're out in the lake. And about a couple hours into it, the rabbi says, hey, look, guys, I, uh, I ran out of bait. So he gets out of the boat, walks across the water to the truck, gets the bait, walks back across the water into the boat, totally dry. And the covenant pastor and the priest are just looking at each other in amazement, like, wow. About an hour later, the, the priest says, hey, you know, I, I forgot, I left my cell phone in the truck. So he gets out of the boat, walks across the water, dry land, gets the phone, comes back in and uh, totally dry. So the covenant pastor's thinking to himself, there's, there's no way that this guy, is, these people are more holy than me. And uh, so he's thinking of any excuse he can to go and pick up or pick up the paper that was dropped to, uh, to get him out of the boat. So a couple minutes later, he says, hey guys, uh, hey, I got a six pack in the truck. Um, he gets out of the boat, he falls in the water. And the rabbi tells the priest, look, we should have told him where the stones were. Okay. So, I don't like to get out of the fishing boat. I don't like to get out of the boat at all. I like to stay where it's nice and comfortable, where I experience relative safety. And I can control all the little things around me in my own little world. I, I have sometimes just enough faith to get me through a particular situation but not enough faith most of the time to trust in God that he's going to do the impossible. Now, there have been times in my life where I've stepped out and had complete faith in God that, and not knowing what the future was going to, to hold. Uh, I remember when I left active duty in the Army after being there for six years was a huge step of faith when our family decided to adopt two amazing Girls, that was a huge step of faith. When I took the calling to come to this church, it was a huge step of faith. And so there were times where I've stepped out in faith without knowing the future and experienced how God provides. But for most of the time, it is really hard for me to have complete trust and faith in God in all circumstances. I don't like the prospect of my world being turned upside down, like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Come on. Turned upside, first service, it was lost on them too, don't worry about it. But for some of you, maybe stepping out on faith is really easy for you, and to you I applaud because living out your life every single day of every single moment in faith is really hard for me. So, this morning I want to look at the life of the Apostle Peter and his encounter with Jesus walking on water. In Matthew 14. See, the joke actually wasn't, you thought it was just a segue for me dropping papers. It was actually planned the whole time. All right, yeah, I'll be here all week. So um, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 14, looking at verses 22 through 32. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, by the way, he had just got done feeding 5,000 people, that's who the crowd was. Uh, he went out on a mountainside by himself to pray. 
Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost! They said, and he cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out onto the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when he had, they had climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, I know that the scripture passage that I just read says that there was wind and that the boat was being buffeted by the wind. But when I picture this, I always picture calm water. Jesus just floating along the water, you know, just slightly touching the water as he, as he goes. But this lake that he is walking on is not a small lake. It's the Sea of Galilee, the same uh, sea where Jesus had to calm the storm because the boat was about to be completely uh, turned over and everybody in the boat thought they were going to die. Same place. This lake is 8.1 uh, miles wide. It's 13 miles long, 33 miles in circumference. That gives it 64.4 square feet of space. Now, I didn't just do the math. I had to look it up, so it's okay. It's 141 uh, feet deep at its deepest point. So if you think of Lake Canopolis or Lake Perry or Tuttle Creek Lake, and what's that other one? Milford, Milford Lake. This is way bigger than that. And the scripture says they were already a considerable uh, way out onto the lake and there was a strong wind. Now, this strong wind, you have to understand that the Sea of Galilee is like 680-some feet below sea level. So when the wind is coming off the uh, Mediterranean uh, from the east and coming down from the winds, it can create huge um, swells in the water. The wind was beating against the boat. It was probably splashing onto the boat as well. I don't know if the boat was uh, in danger of collapsing or, or falling apart or whatever. It doesn't say anything about that. But these were some experienced fishermen who were on the struggle bus trying to get this boat to where it needed to go. They were a considerable distance from land and it was just before dawn. Does anybody know what it looks like outside just before dawn? It's dark out. So it being dark out and them being able to see Jesus from their boat means that he was probably pretty close. And they have a natural human response thinking that it's a ghost. This must be a ghost. I mean, what other explanation can you have? It's like, ah, you know, like right outside the boat, probably. So Jesus is right there. Jesus says, look, don't be afraid, it's me. And then Peter, and I don't know what Peter was thinking at this point. Well, let's just make sure it's Jesus. Hey, call me out of the boat. 
I don't know what was going through his mind. They were relatively safe. They might have been in pretty deep water at this point with the wind blowing, still unsure if Jesus was who he says he is and he's told him not to be afraid or if in fact it really was a ghost. And so this is Peter's first three steps of faith. One, he believes that the person that is outside the boat is Jesus and not a ghost. I know you're thinking Trinity stuff, different kind of ghost, okay? Two, Peter believes that if he leaves the boat and it really is Jesus, then nothing bad is going to happen to him. And then his third step of faith is asking Jesus then to call him out of the boat. It's a very interesting and peculiar situation. Jesus doesn't come up and say, hey, well, come on out of the boat and we'll see. We'll see if it's me or not. He waits until Peter asks him to call him out of the boat. He says, come. Now, if I were one of the disciples on the boat at this time, and Peter said, oh, hey, Jesus, if it's you, call me out of the boat, I'd be like, Peter, I think you're crazy. I think you might have some regrets over this, bro. You want to think it over a little bit? Um, This might not go out as well as you think it does. And for those of you who get this reference, I'm so glad. For those of you who it's lost on, that's okay, too. But this boat is his relative safety. It's what he knows. He's a fisherman. No fisherman is going to just jump out of the boat or get out of the boat in the middle of the water at night without a life preserver. Well, other than Jesus, of course. But I would say, Peter, you might live to regret this decision And I would think that he was probably pretty crazy for doing something this dramatic. And this is where I think we can take some lessons away right away. Sometimes in our life where things seem normal, things seem great, things seem to just be under our control that we think, and then Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up, and sometimes our world gets a little disrupted at times if we let it. Our comfort is our boat, whatever that is. Maybe it's our our home, it's our circumstance, it's our jobs, our school, it's relationship. Whatever it is, it's making us feel comfortable. It's our own little safe world that we've created for ourselves, and we don't like anybody to mess with that, at least I don't. But when Jesus shows up, things get a little different. Now, Peter could have simply waited. I mean, Jesus was probably not that far away from the boat for them to see him in the dark. Could have been like, hey, Peter, you want to just wait a couple more seconds before uh, just to see if Jesus shows up to the boat? Then we can determine whether or not it's Jesus. I mean, he made it this far. Look how far we are from land. He made it this far. You don't think he can walk a few more feet and get in the boat? Huh, a few more feet? You're welcome. All right. But when Jesus shows up and we allow him to call us out of our boat, out of our comfort zone, sometimes we do things and enter into things that seem a bit crazy to everyone else, and people give us grief for that. Are you, are you sure you don't want to go to college? Are you sure you don't want to do this or that? Are you... It, This doesn't seem like a rational thing to be doing right now. When Jesus shows up, sometimes the impossible takes place, and it looks a little bit crazy to everyone else 
who's around. Sometimes putting ourselves out there to ask Jesus to call us out of our boat is the scariest thing we can ever do. Why? Because, well, I didn't give you a question. So why? Because it's something we've never done before. It takes us into the unfamiliar. It takes us into a place that we've not either become accustomed to or become unfamiliar with. And so we don't know what the future holds, and that is pretty scary. We don't know what's going to happen. But it does pose the question that I think we should all consider this morning is how much faith do I really have? And do I believe that God can accomplish the impossible? Do I have enough faith and do I believe that God can accomplish the impossible? Well, what happens starting in verse 29? Peter gets out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. He did it. He did it. He was actually on the water. He didn't sink. He didn't drown. He was really on the water. And he began to walk towards Jesus. His faith was strong. The faith is strong with this one, right? He did what no other normal, rational person would do. He got out of the boat and he started walking and he didn't sink. He didn't drown. A miracle was taking place right before him. And I think this is the fourth step of faith for Peter. Once he knew that Jesus was going to take care of him, he began to walk towards him. It doesn't say that Peter held on to the boat when he got out and was like, all right, let me just test this out a little bit, right? I, I think maybe what comes to some of your minds who are uh, 50 years and younger is Indiana Jones and Last Crusade, you know, stepping out, you know, onto the thing. No? Okay. Well, that's why I didn't use that example. So, um, where was I? I don't even know. But he, he was walking on the water. And he wasn't holding onto the boat. He didn't have his life preserver other than Jesus who was out on the water. He was really doing it. He was walking on the water. And things were going great. And then we come to verse 30. When he saw the wind, he was afraid. And he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. Sometimes having the courage to Ask Jesus to call us out of our boat. Our comfort zone can be pretty scary, but initially we do it and things are going great. Things are going wonderfully. We can see God's provision. We can see how God is taking care of us. And then the concerns of the circumstances around us begin to form and dictate our next steps. Sometimes we get so focused on those external circumstances, those people around us who are speaking into us, too much power, and they begin to dictate our next steps. And so Peter takes his focus off of the one performing the miracle and pays more attention to the circumstances that are around him, and he begins to sink. We do that sometimes. We can trust God, and we can see his provisions just far enough, and then we start to doubt. I do this too. But what happens, Peter takes his focus off of Jesus, he begins to sink, and when, verse 31, he cries out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reaches out his hands and pulls him up, and they go into the boat in safety, but he says, why did you doubt? Why did you lack faith? You, you have little faith, why did you doubt? You see, even though we step out of the boat after asking Jesus to call us out there and we are walking faithfully and in faith with him, 
and we get focused on the circumstances that are beyond our control around us and we begin to think Jesus is still there and will still help us in those circumstances no matter what. He's not going to fail us. He's not going to fail us. But the problem we run into is that we won't allow ourselves to be called out of our boats in the first place. We just remain comfortable. We don't want to disrupt life. And again, I say we because I'm included in this. We don't always want to put ourselves out there and risk our circumstances, our situations, our reputations, what other people are going to think about us, and we hold ourselves back. So I thought I'd read a poem because, you know, you all know me as a poet. No. But it was a famous poem, I don't know, it came out like 20, 30 years ago, you know, Footprints in the Sand. Have you heard this? This is an adaption to that poem. It's another poem, unknown author, but here it is. It says, one night I had a wondrous dream. One set of footprints there was seen. The footprints of my precious Lord, but mine were not along the shore. But then some stranger prince appeared, and I asked the Lord, what have we here? Those prints are large and round and neat, but Lord, they are too big for feet. My child, he said in somber tones, for miles I carried you alone. Stop reading ahead. I challenged you to walk in faith, but you refused. You made me wait. You disobeyed. You would not grow. The walk of faith you did not know. So I got tired. I got fed up. And there I dropped you on your butt. Because in life there comes a time when one must fight and one must climb. One must rise and take a stand or leave their butt prints in the sand. Now I will tell you right now, don't wait until God drops you on your butt before you choose to go. God is going to accomplish his will one way or another, and it's much easier to follow his call and his promptings first rather than him telling you and dictating to you immediately, and you want to go kicking and screaming. God's going to bring about his will regardless. And it's much easier just to be obedient in the first place. That's kind of what I think this poem is getting after, right? Case in point, I've told some of you this before, maybe for those of you who are newer, I didn't want to be a pastor. I did not want to be a pastor. Take it from Duncan here. I didn't want to be a pastor. I felt a prompting in high school about my sophomore, junior year that I was going to go and pursue youth ministry. And so I went off to college to pursue youth ministry at North Park, which is a college that is affiliated with our denomination. And I was majoring youth ministry. I was going to graduate with a youth ministry major. But then I did the old timeout. And I said, look, I do not want to go and serve in a church. I don't want to serve in a church. I don't think God's calling me anymore into serving his church anymore. So I did what any rational person did. I joined the U.S. Army. And uh, the largest youth ministry in the world. And so I did that for six years. And about the third year in, that prompting, that butt prince in the sand poem started kicking in a little bit. He says, Jeremy, this isn't, this isn't for you. And I would sit sometimes in these meetings and just like, this isn't me, this isn't... This isn't what I don't feel like I should be doing right now. And so God said, all right, you're going to trust me? 
I said, all right, you know, like, I will leave everything I know behind, right? My, <laughs> behind, that was another good one. So you have to understand that my last assignment, I was overseas, and I left my pregnant wife, Carrie, home alone, and I missed the birth of Hannah, and Carrie got to be a single mom for nine months after the birth happened, and I came home, I didn't have a job, I didn't have a place to live, we have a newborn, and we haven't seen each other in almost a year, my wife and I, and I'm like, okay, great, you know, hey, what are we going to do now? So I uh, went to seminary, and I thought, for sure, all right, God, you're going to call me right back on active duty as a chaplain, right? That's, that's my goal. Yeah, that's the whole reason I left seminary, was to go back into my boat. I didn't know it was my boat then. But about my third year of seminary, last year of seminary, God said, look, Jeremy, you've been avoiding my church. I need you to experience congregational ministry. You're going to do it. So I thought I should do it. So guess what? I didn't do it. No, I did. I did do it. I, I graduated seminary. I, I took an internship in rural South Central Wisconsin for about a year and a half. And there God gave me the vision, the passion, and the heart for his church. And I didn't want to be a pastor still. I, I, I still was struggling in seminary. It's like, I'm, I'm not worthy enough. I'm not holy enough. I have too many issues that I'm still dealing with. And God's like, look just wait to be perfect I'm never going to call anybody so don't wait till you're perfect so God still gave me the opportunity to minister to soldiers in the army through the National Guard but he also I pursued what his full-time calling was in my life which was in congregational ministry you see the example I gave at the beginning of the sermon of stepping out in faith into the unknown in those times where I've done it, this was also one of them, but also that God sometimes doesn't completely remove you from your situation that you are living in to use you... All right, that's going to sound confusing. Um, let me put it this way. The trajectory in which God calls you is going to seem a little bit different than what you're doing right now. Case in point, what, were, what, what was Peter's job? He was a fisherman. He was a fisherman. And after Jesus was crucified, Peter still assumed that Jesus was dead. And so what did Peter go back to doing? Fishing. So let's look at John chapter 21, 2 through 8. It says, Simon Peter, that's just Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. He said, um, okay, where am I? Okay, so we'll go out with you. So they went out into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Ah, it's sounding familiar. He called out to them, friends, have you no fish? No, they answered. But he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. It almost sounds exactly like the first time Jesus called his disciples Peter. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord! 
And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped out his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, of course, throwing, uh, towing the, full, uh, the net full of fish, for they were, not able, or they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Peter went back to exactly what he was doing before. I mean, what else was he going to do? Believe Jesus? Actually believe what Jesus had told him and prompted to do that? On you, Peter, I'm going to build my rock, my, my church, I'm going to do that. He just didn't believe it. He went back to fishing. Well, this last encounter, once he realized that it was in fact Jesus on the shore calling out to him, it's the Lord. He didn't wait this time. He didn't grab his shoes or nothing. He just jumped into the water. Well, nobody got that reference. That's cool. But he jumped into the water, didn't wait to be called, and he swam after Jesus onto the dry land. Now, if you remember Forrest Gump, it kind of looked like that, you know. I don't know. But whatever might be holding you back right now from responding to God's call, or whether or not you're choosing to have enough faith to even choose to be willing to be called out of the boat, I don't know what that is for you. You got to pray about it. You got to ask God, search your heart. Is there, what am I holding back? What am I being unwilling to do in my life right now to have the willingness to be called out of the boat? Jesus isn't going to ask everybody to sell all your possessions, give to the poor, go and move to some faraway country to be missionaries. But for some of you, he might, and you better do it. For some of you, he's just simply going to change your trajectory from what you were doing into something new or something better. Because with the disciples, they knew how to catch fish, but Jesus says, I'm going to teach you how to catch men. Well, He's going to start putting people in your life, for some of you, who God's calling you to respond to. I always ask people this. Believe me, there's people in this congregation who know this. My questions are always, where do you see God at work in your life this week? And how do you see uh, God's work in other people's lives and he's asking you to respond to? Where are you seeing God at work? I'm always asking that question. So he's going to start putting people into your life that you maybe need to minister to. And you can still keep your job. You can still go to school. You can still go about your business. You don't have to sell everything. But are you being faithful in those little moments? The point is, is that we have to be willing to be willing to have Jesus call us out of the boat. See where I'm going with that? You know what I'm saying? You got the reference. You got that reference too. All right, good. So be willing to be willing to have Jesus call you out of the boat. Let's pray. God, thank you for your continual care for us. Thank you for always being faithful in those moments where you do call us out of the boat and we're willing to go, but sometimes we get caught up in those circumstances around us that derail us um, from what you would want us to do or how you want us to interact with those around us. And so we recognize your faithfulness all the time that you never let us fail but sometimes we know that we will, but you are always still so faithful to us. So we're grateful to have 
seeing the demonstrated faith of Peter, also his lack of faith and then his continual faith, lack of faith and then continual faith again. God, to take you at your word. So uh, continue to help us see and to discern what might be holding us back from fully following after you. We thank you and we praise you this morning. Amen.